0: Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. I borrowed this nativity scene from my neighbor, Miss Vicki, and it's just about perfect. It has everything. It has everything angels and animals and shepherds and uh, there's some wise men in there although this this wise man kinda looks a little scary and um, and I don't remember the water carrier but I'm sure the animals would have needed water and Mary probably would have been thirsty after labor and birth Um, and I think this may be the little drummer boy after he played uh, finished playing for the Christ child and he's running away it even has way back it even has several cats I think she got this um, nativity scene from the Christian bookstore. And uh, you'll have to check with Ronnie if he still sells it. And I even think you can buy it one piece at a time. You don't have to buy it all at once. Miss Vicky said that her grandson, Devin, when he was really little, he would come into her home when no one was looking, and he would steal baby Jesus out of the manger and then go hide him somewhere in the house. She said one time he left after a visit, and she couldn't find Jesus, and she looked everywhere and never found him until Devin came back and visited the next time, and she said he was barely able to talk, but he remembered where he had hidden the figurine. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 tells us that at the nativity, there is something hidden from our eyes that is far more dangerous than a lurking Devin. At the heart of Revelation, right in the center of the letter, Jesus reveals to us the true battle that is really going on. We've seen in the first 11 chapters all the things going on on the earth, the destruction and the trouble caused by um, nations bent on war and what happens when they go to conquest and people, especially the poor people, suffer and there's death following. And we've been reminded in those 11 chapters again and again that God is in control of all of it. God will use evil to accomplish his own good. Plan and then he even sets limits on what evil can can do and we've already been taken in revelation at least twice To the end of the world and judgment and the new heaven where believers will live in God's presence forever that happens in chapter 6 and 7 and chapter 11 So we know God wins in the end and we've been given instructions to obey who can stand the wrath of the lamb and the judgment of the throne those in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's in chapter 7. And what should our jobs be, our purpose, since we know we will stand victorious? We should witness. That's in chapters 10 and 11. And now, Revelation peels back one more layer and lets us see the cosmic battle between good and evil that's been going on behind the scenes, even going on behind what we know so far. And this is what our nativity scene is missing. It is missing a dragon. Revelation 12 exposes our real enemy. If You could imagine that right here. Here's Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. (laughs) She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon. There we go. It had seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads, and its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Can you imagine in your nativity scene at home a dragon figure stalking and lurking behind the scenes ready to jump out and devour the baby? Our our church does a semi-live animal nativity during the Christmas scene where there's a star and some mannequins of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus and we have some real animals But we don't have a devil mannequin sharpening his knife and fork with the manger as his dinner plate. Maybe this Christmas we will. That's what Revelation 12 reveals. Our nativity scene is not hot cocoa and peace on earth. It is a battle scene. We know for sure who the dragon is in the scene because later in the chapter, Jesus reveals that this is the devil. And we know who the child is because it's the only person that is born of a woman to rule with an iron scepter and ascend it into heaven to the throne of God, and that's Jesus Christ himself. But we need a lot more time and several guides to help us interpret the woman because there's a lot of symbols going on with her. If you come to our Zoom class on Sunday or Wednesday nights for more details about Revelation, I'll tell you why the woman's identity changes in the course of the description of the story, chapter twelve, from from Eve, the first woman on earth, to Israel, the people of God, to Mary, the birth mother of Jesus, and then even to the church, but let's not miss the main point of this chapter before we get bogged down in trying to figure out the more complicated symbols. Our real enemy is Satan, and and that's what makes what Paul say so true. And it, Paul says. That our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about putting on the armor of God. And Revelation 12 tells us this battle has been going on for quite a while. Look at verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. That battle is going on even behind the scenes of the manger scene. And if our real enemy is Satan, then our battle must be fought differently than maybe we've imagined. In our karate dojo here in town, we teach our students character development and sparring techniques and even self-protection, all with the idea that we will train Christian leaders using martial arts. And we feel confident that we are also training our students how to physically protect themselves from an unlikely mugging or even school bullies. But how would you spar or defend yourself against a dragon who is a fallen angel. If our fight is spiritual in nature, then the way we fight and win, the way we will triumph and conquer and stand victorious, it will have to look different than what we imagine fighting to be. Our two offensive weapons are the perfect weapons to triumph over this great evil creature. Our example given to us by Christ is found in verses 10 and 11. chapter 13 now i heard a loud voice in heaven say now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our god and the authority of his messiah remember the way to be blessed by revelation isn't by finding the darkest timeline or predicting when christ will return or even figuring out what the number 666 is a symbol for our blessing comes when we read and hear these words and then obey them so what do we have to obey here in revelation 12 Again, it's the example of Christ and the call to act as he acted. This is going to be salvation, verse says. This is the authority of Jesus to us, verse 10 says. Uh, This is how we fight the accusers who's been hurled down. Verse 11, they triumph over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That's Revelation chapter 12 verses 10 and 11. And this has been a major theme of Revelation up until this point. Chapter 12 is the heart of Revelation. It peels back all the layers and tells us what's really going on. In the first 11 chapters, we are called a kingdom and priests. We are to serve our God here on earth, and then when we arrive in heaven, we continue to serve Him. And we trust Jesus to provide our spiritual protection, and He even seals us with the Holy Spirit to allow us to stand victoriously with him in the new heaven and the new earth forever. And our call as his people is not to compromise our faith, but to be useful and ready to witness ruling, uh, ruling by power or might or coercion, winning by force or trying to win the argument using the tools of Satan, which is death and destruction will not be the way or listen closely. This will not be our politics. Instead, we are called to act as if God is touching the earth through us, and he is. With the indwelling Holy Spirit, we will respond with forgiveness and love and prayer to any attacks from loved ones or strangers about our faith, because we know behind the people wanting to kill us is actually Satan himself. The Christian life is not for the faint of heart. Remember in the fifth seal, the dangerous fate of Christ's followers, chapter 6, verse 9, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who have been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. That could be a description of us. Will you remain faithful if that is you under the altar killed for your faith? Will you remain faithful if those are your children under the altar killed because of your faith? Because Christians all over the world are faced with this very real dilemma every day. And Christians have been faced with that dilemma since the days of Jesus. Our fate is to be kicked out of our families and attacked in our politics, and we will be slandered in our communities, and we will be trampled on by the world. We will be put to the test, and we will be tempted to dirty our souls with worldly living, living, and even tempted to give up what we have stood for. Some of us will even be killed because of our testimony and the devil, that snake is behind it all. Verse 17 continues. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. Remember how we win. We are called to remain faithful, trusting in Jesus and his example. Go back to verse 11, don't forget it, memorize it if you need to, it will strengthen your faith. Verse 11, they triumphed over him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. When Satan couldn't win in heaven, Michael defeated him. And he couldn't win against Jesus, who he can't touch. And when he couldn't kill the woman, he just got angrier and angrier. And since he can't defeat God, and he can't touch Christ, then he just wants to kill everyone who's connected to Jesus. Everyone who's part of the Jesus family. And if he can't hurt Jesus, he'll hurt the followers of Jesus. And what has got to be even more frustrating, irony of irony, is Satan wants to kill everyone. Death is his only true weapon, and really the only thing he's good at. But when he goes to kill us, that actually gives us victory. The Apostle Paul explains it really well in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 through 56. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I'm saying to you, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living also will be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into the bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we go quickly through chapter 13 and 14? Connie from our Bible study last Wednesday on Zoom, she said, Dale, you're going too fast. But I want to give you the major themes of the book so you can obey too. Later, we can go back and look at the symbols more slowly. But if you'll let me guide you to what is really clear and understandable, you can go back and be able to read it by yourself and work through those more complicated symbols at a slower pace. So I know we're going to move fast, but we need to see the big picture. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 13 of Revelation. To recap, Satan is behind the spiritual war that is actually behind the trouble we experience from other people. So our battle must be fought with the example of Christ. And we will conquer and be victorious by remaining faithful, trusting Christ for our salvation, and using our testimony. You know, what Christ has done for us, what Christ is doing to us, the change, the transformation he's making, and giving the same grace and forgiveness he gave us to others. That will be our weapon. Even if it means we die the same death as Jesus. Because when we die, we stand victoriously in the presence of Christ. I think Revelation, starting in verse 13 of chapter 12, all the way into chapter 13, is kind of making fun of the dragon a little bit. (laughs) I know it doesn't sound very holy or dignified, but chapters 12 and 13 are kind of like the heavenly raspberry you know, a raspberry. The sound made with the tongue and lips in order to express derision or contempt. That's the sound of chapter 12 and 13. We saw that the devil can't win. In chapter 12, he he, he tries and he tries, but he just can't do it. And so, He tries something different. He tries some different tactics and he's never created anything. So he has to copy what God did. Only his copy isn't as good in chapter 13 and he still doesn't win. So in Christianity, to help us understand chapter 13, in Christianity, we have God, the father, Jesus, the son, and the Holy spirit, our God, three in one. God reveals himself as the three in one Trinity. So it's our God who is one, and he reveals the different roles the persons of the Trinity carries out. Jesus reveals who God is by appearing in the flesh, speaking words of truth, and carrying out the will of the Father. And then Christ dies and comes back to life, and people believe in him based on his resurrection and the signs he gave. The Holy Spirit is sent to point people to Jesus using signs and miracles to help us believe in Christ, convict us of sin, And the Holy Spirit seals us, puts a seal on us that reveals to God and to others that we are Christ followers. And what we find in chapter 13, the devil raises up his best replica of the son and the Holy Spirit, but they are poor replicas and really quite beastly. (laughs) The first beast in chapters 13 verses one through 10 seemed like he had a fatal wound that was healed, you know, trying to copy the Christ character. But the wound wasn't fatal, and the beast didn't actually resurrect from the dead because he didn't die. But this beast is tricky enough. Remember, Jesus tells us Satan is a liar and the father of lies, but good lies can trick even the smartest people. And this beast will wage a war against Christ's followers, but we've already been given our marching orders from Christ and from Christ's examples. We will not fight like the beast fights. So in chapter 13, verse nine and 10, it reminds us that we are to remain faithful, even if we have to suffer and die. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And verse 10 continues. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity, they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword, they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. I love this quote from this book where a preacher reminds us that we are living in this violent world, but going to our death following Christ is the option that keeps us in faith. Here's what he says. When we live in a world of violence long enough, it's easy to adopt violent means ourselves, especially when we know the cause is righteous and the opposition is evil. But Jesus, having set down his counsel to endure, yokes it with a warning to not defect into violence. That would be just as bad as defecting into cowardly compliance. Killing the opposition is the sea beast's way, that's chapters 13, 1 through 10, and the dragon's way, that's chapter 12, of solving its problems. It's not ours. Ours is endurance and faith. This combination, endurance and faith, is not dumb passivity, nor is it timid advice such as the historian Josephine. Josephus gave a few years before Revelation was written to the Jews of Palestine. To abstain from fighting because they will certainly lose was his advice. This is not prudent counsel to just cut their losses. It's cowardly caution that is unwilling to risk the cut and thrust of violence. No, St. John's exiles and martyrs were terrifically active in their suffering. The Christ followers had learned something profound about sacrifice and death. Endurance and faith are aggressive forces in the battle raging between God and the devil. It requires high energy to meet the sword with willed suffering, with embraced sacrifice. Then the second beast is a poor approximation of the Holy Spirit. This beast doesn't come from heaven but from the earth, and he points people back to the first beast like the Holy Spirit points us to Christ. And this beast from the earth does even does miraculous signs that trick people. And anyone who follows the beast will be marked with a seal on their foreheads to show that they follow the beast. And this beast gets a lot of attention because this is where we find the number 666, Revelation chapter 13. And people can spend all the time they want trying to cipher the meaning of that number, but don't spend so much time trying to figure out 666 that you missed the point of chapter 13. These beasts are not scary in of themselves. They're just a poor copy of the Holy Trinity, and they're kind of reduced to a mockery. As soon as we place our faith in Christ and follow him, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of our actions reveal who we are and who we follow. And likewise, those who don't follow Christ are under the seal of Satan. Look at what 1313 says. I mean, look at what... I'll just read chapter 13. I'll start with verse 1. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard and had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Uh, these images are taken from the prophet Daniel in chapter 7 of his work, and it signifies kingdoms and authorities. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound. There it is, that trickery. He he didn't really die, though. But the fatal wound had been healed, and the whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast who can wage war against it? And that question reminds us of the question from the seals. Who can stand under the wrath of the lamb and the judgment from the throne? See how Satan is trying to use the tactics of God, but he just fails miserably. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opens its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb was slain from the, who was slain from the creation of the world. Remember, if you're not worshiping Christ, you're worshiping the beast. If you're not in the kingdom of light, you're in the kingdom of darkness. If you're not written in the Lamb's book of life, you are with the devil. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is how we fight. Verse 10, if anyone goes into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. This is an echo from all of Revelations 1 through 11 and even 12. Here's the second beast, the mockery of the Holy Spirit. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth, not those who follow Christ, but those in the kingdom of darkness." It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. Remember, the Holy Spirit is like the breath of God in us. It's the Spirit of God. And this is a mockery of it. So that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who is insight, wisdom, calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of man. The number is 666. Uh, Listen, don't fear any of these symbols or creatures. There is no danger into accidentally taking on the mark of the beast. Our only danger is to compromise or give up our faith because that's an easier path. But there's nothing scary about chapter 13 or any symbolic number. 666 is not Ronald Wilson Reagan or Bill Clinton or Obama or any other president. It's not the Pope, it's not even (laughs) COVID-19. I like how uh, Eugene Peterson explains it. John with his beasts mocks the seriousness with which authority, whether in government or religion, takes itself. The moment either or both begin to act godlike, they earn our contempt. These beasts, when Jesus is done with them, are not awesome, but ridiculous. The dragon, sea beast, and land beast are a satanic satanic trinity that infiltrates the political world in order to deflect our worship from the God whom we cannot see to the authorities that we can see and to deceive us into buying into a religion or belief system That has visible results in self-gratification. John presents this infiltration as a fearsome but not indomitable foe. The dragon was bested by Michael, the sea beast can be resisted, and the land beast can be figured out. This section, chapters 12 through 14, will conclude with the chapter 14 Before Revelation moves on to the seven bowls of wrath we're running out of time today but let me point out one key element of chapter 14 that will help us remain and endure faithfully read it for yourself and see if you don't find three ways to strengthen your faith and and we're going to cover those in more detail next Sunday but in chapter 14 1 through 13 that we find three ways to strengthen our faith worship holy living and preaching the gospel which is exactly the spiritual warfare we are called to use and then in 14, 14, verses 14 through 20, we're again in Revelation, taken to the end of the world with the complete judgment of all people, just like we were in chapter 11 and chapter 6. Do you think Jesus is trying to drive his point home by hitting the nail on the head time after time after time? <laughs> Repetition is one of God's favorite teaching methods and one that he still wants us to use today. I love how Jesus gave us a reminder and a strengthener of our faith that he wants us to repeat every time we meet. It's called communion. Would you go on and get out your communion bread and cup and we will do this repetition, this drive the point home again and again and again, this strengthener and reminder of our faith. We will take the bread and the cup and we will remember Jesus' sacrifice, his death and his resurrection all in this new symbol of his body and blood. Would you take your bread out and remind yourself that Jesus gave his life, sacrificed his body so that we could be forgiven and adopted into his family. And he calls us to live in that same example. Would you eat the bread and remember his sacrifice for you? Thank you, Christ, for giving us this reminder of your sacrifice. Would you allow the body today to strengthen our faith? Would you take the cup and remember the blood that was shed for you, that covers over all of your sins, makes you white and clean as snow. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are not accused, and we cannot be accused by Satan any longer. One of his greatest tactics that isn't killing us is trying to accuse us and make us feel guilty of sins that we have been forgiven for. But the cup reminds us that Satan has lost all of his power. Would you take the cup and remember the blood that was shed for you, the new covenant poured out in blood that makes us holy? Thank you, Christ, for this strengthener and reminder of our faith poured out in your blood in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, Revelation is a call of hope to those who are in Christ, and it is a warning, a repeated warning, a repeated warning, a repeated warning, a repeated warning for those who are not in Christ. This this might be a message that you need to hear today, that if you're not in Christ, you need to make the decision today while you still have time and put your faith In Jesus trust his sacrifice and resurrection to save you but more importantly make him your Lord and master and obey what he calls you to do to live as a life of peace and forgiveness and grace a life of acceptance to all peoples because you've been given grace in Christ if you haven't committed to Christ uh, this is our invitation to you would you make your desire public? Would you make it known that you want to commit your life to Christ? Put it, write it in the chat, send us a text, um, connect with us on Facebook or email. Let somebody know that you want to be a believer in Christ. You want to place your faith in Jesus and be, make him your Lord and your Savior forever. We had someone just last week make the decision to come to Christ. Kyler Fight, one of our students, said he wants to be baptized into Jesus. He wants to commit his life to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior forever. He wants to be in the kingdom of light. Maybe you need to make that same decision to place yourself into that great death of Jesus and then resurrection of Christ as well. Would you let somebody know of your desire and we'll help you take the next best step. Well, that's all we have today we're going to come back to revelation chapter 14 next week and we are going to finish out revelation uh, the letter from jesus to us over the next several weeks i hope that you are as excited about learning from this book as i am i hope that you're seeing the big themes that are really clear and i hope that it is strengthening your strengthening your faith to endure strengthening your faith to reject what is evil strengthening your faith so you won't compromise and take on worldly tactics and strengthen your faith so that you can stand victorious with Jesus in heaven when he comes again. As always, we're looking forward to worshiping together in person again very soon. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org/donate.